What if ethical decision making is not always black and white? What if one day you are in a position where you are faced with an ethical dilemma in your job? Wouldn't you want to be as prepared as possible to do the right thing? The Banking and Finance Oath was founded to raise the ethical standards of the financial services industry. And through this podcast series, you will learn directly from industry leaders discussing complex ethical decisions that they had to make during their careers. We will also discuss the role of ethics in finance more broadly and ask our guests for advice on leading an ethical life. We hope you enjoy Ethics in Financial Services. Welcome to another episode of the Banking and Finance Oath podcast series on ethics and finance. I'm Danny Simpson, a Banking and Finance Oath Young Ambassador, and meeting with me today is Nikki McConnell, Acting Regional Manager for Rabobank New Zealand. Thanks for meeting with me today, Nikki. You're welcome, Danny. Thanks for inviting me. No worries. So to start off with, Nikki, can you just explain to me a little bit about your career history and where you've come from, what you've done? Yep. So I'll keep it brief, but pretty much always in um, in banking. So I left university here in New Zealand and uh, went into a graduate role um, with National Bank at the time. So that was a, a year-long journey before uh, moving into a portfolio. I did move um, into another bank here in New Zealand. Um, so maybe 10 years or so of banking before moving to Australia. Um, they were personal reasons, family reasons for the move. Uh, and I spent a little bit of time outside of banking in Australia first, uh, sometime in retail management, and then back into banking in Australia, that time um, in relationship banking with uh, business and personal, and then before moving back to New Zealand six years ago now to join Rabobank, first as agri-manager, um, and then in the last couple of years into my role as area manager for Mid-South Canterbury. Great, thanks for that update. So to start us off on the ethical path, can you just give us a bit of an explanation of generally what ethics means to you? Okay, um, to me, uh, I really think it's about the moral behaviour of a person, um, the way someone conducts themselves and knowing right through wrong and when you're unsure of that, um, uh, what does that gut feel to you? And knowing the um, right thing to do. So, or, or knowing what feels right versus feeling wrong. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just having that internal, that internal moral compass, really. Yeah, so do you think that's something that you um, develop over time or do you think that's something that you either have or you don't have? Yeah that is a nature versus nurture thing isn't it? I think it's um, I think it's inbuilt um, initially but I think it does come with time I think it stems from right through from family and your upbringing through to uh, yep your, your greater um, learnings, your education and the company or the you know your work environment that you're in yeah, absolutely. So on that note, um, I think you've got a few good examples of situations where you've had some ethical dilemmas. Do you want to go through those with me? Yep. So 
I was working, um, this is during my time in Australia when I re-entered banking after a short stint out. So I was only out of banking for maybe a year in total. And initially I thought that some of the changes that I experienced was because I had reached a, um, uh, because I'd gone into a, a different role and I was in personal and business banking rather than what I knew in agri-banking. Uh, I was working for a bank that was either corporate owned or um, owner operated and this was, just for reference, it was BOQ um, in Queensland, one of the Queensland branches um, and this branch was owner operated so there were two owner operators um, in, a, in a joint venture there. So my role was a relationship manager within the personal and business banking um, and again I'd been out of it for a little while but as I say only a year and the industry um, was different. So some of the things I picked up on first I just wondered whether it was because of the difference between agri-banking versus personal and, and business banking but it didn't take long to realise again your moral compass and what's right from wrong. So um, because it was owner operated I think um, those owners there was it was advantageous for them to have um, you know every loan that they brought on it was income for their business yeah. um, and what I did notice um, was the, one of the managers, I think, the manipulation in submissions to credit. Uh, so there were there were three of us uh, ladies working for him, um, really supporting him in his role, and, and we were helping prepare the submissions. Uh, but some of what we were asked to do was just we knew was not right, um, and that involved um, verifying documents. So sometimes there were two people that needed to verify a document uh, and for example I wouldn't have seen the original ID or I wouldn't have seen the customer when they came in. I was just asked to put my signature on a piece of paper to verify that something had happened. Um, another example was when we didn't have a customer an existing customer, we didn't have an up-to-date customer signature, say for a new loan application or, or, or something that was being worked on currently, and a uh, signature that was held on file, um, we were asked to use that existing signature. So photocopy it, cut it out, and re-photocopy it onto the application. And, um, and going so far as to use invisible tape to tape that piece of paper onto the application. Uh, it wasn't something that the ladies that I worked with or myself would do. There was one, she was a younger, um, a younger girl and I think she was manipulated more easily, but it was through the threat of um, job loss. So he would. So he'd ask her to do this, and then say that if she didn't, she would lose her job. Yeah, maybe not. It was implied that she right. would lose her job, um, but um, you've got to also understand this was after the just after the GFC in Australia, so it hit everyone hard. Um, I think it particularly hit 
Queensland quite hard because it's quite a tourism, um, that there's no real industry there. Uh, so it, it's a lifestyle area. Um, people were really concerned about getting jobs and then retaining jobs. Uh, they were few and far between and pay wasn't really good. So people needed to keep their jobs, to keep their homes and to keep their families going. So the, um, this, this girl, I, I'm not sure of all the details, but um, life was made quite difficult for her and, um, and she didn't last long in the, in the bank. They um, yeah, decided to terminate her employment. Uh, and then there was just two of us left and it wasn't a pleasant environment to, to work in. We also were aware of um, the manager uh, lying to say to a credit manager mm-hmm. where we had overheard a conversation earlier and we actually knew that he was uh, lying or falsifying statements, um, manipulating the submissions to get a, a, uh, an application through credit. Mm-hmm. There was a lot that was wrong in that environment. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, through that experience, um, did you did you act like what did you what did you do in that situation? You obviously knew it was wrong. Yep. So, so firstly, we actually did stand up to the manager. Um, he would react sometimes as if what what were we talking about? Like making us feel that no, what we were seeing was not right at all. Sometimes he would react angrily and tell us that it wasn't our business just to get back to our jobs. Uh, We would go and talk to the other manager who was actually responsible for the retail side of the branch. Um, It wasn't really his field, but we were speaking out saying all this wasn't right. Um, He did tend to agree with us, but didn't bring it up, I think. With, with his partner. Uh, it got to a point that the environment that we were working in was almost one of um, fear at times. We were, uh, our manager appeared unstable and we were, um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant environment to work in, sort of fearful for my own safety, although I've got nothing to back that up. It was just a gut feeling that I felt. Yeah. Um, I did take it up with, someone in the corporate so corporate banking who looked after the franchise businesses and I did arrange a meeting one day and spoke to the two heads of our region about that and they did seem to take it all on board but whilst I was there nothing visible nothing happened so there were no ramifications Um, it did get to a point where this manager um, he he did try to take his own life and I don't know whether that was to do with the work situation or personal or what it was. There was a police investigation but that was more into his um, attempt on his life, I realised, rather than what was going on too much with, within the branch. But we were interviewed at the time asking what was happening um, and he, he returned to work um, maybe within the year anyway and things carried on. Right, so there was never any ramifications for his nope. unethical behaviour? Not to my knowledge, and not that right. we saw. Like, yeah. when he came back to work, things carried on, and there was no change with the with his behaviour. 
I do think we're in a better space now. Uh, at the time, we thought we were doing the right thing by going ahead and advising someone. Like, we knew it wasn't right. Uh, we talked to people. I think what is good now is that this is talked about far more often, and I think staff these days know where they can go to talk to people, um, either within their own companies or even more so the banking ombudsman would, yeah. would pick that sort of thing up. We knew about the banking ombudsman then, but it was more a place where we thought customers would go if they had a complaint, not so much if it was internal. Um, I would hope now with the emphasis on this that people are in a, a better space to be able to call behaviours out mm. and if there's no action there's somewhere else usually that they can go like I know Rabobank for example has a whistleblower um, area yeah. policy that we can go to um, mm. and it's all confidential mm. and and I'm sure it would be acted on yeah so I guess in that way do you think obviously the banking and finance oath is a um, method of, of trying to to make ethics you know be easily talked about in the community um, you're obviously a signatory do you think that the banking and finance oath is a good way of of having a whole list of people where for a young person coming in if you have an issue you can look at that list and you know that those people have similar um, morals and ethical yep. compass to you so it is a good space where you can you can talk to people yep I do I think uh, it would be great for that banking um, environment to yeah. just just keep uh, keep promoting it like I don't think it can be uh, that you, I don't think you can under communicate it keep communicating it so that people are aware it's top of mind all the time so that, it, that if they're seeing something that isn't right they know there's a space or it keeps it top of mind yeah. um, and they feel safe in being able to go and, and talk about it yeah absolutely so it's just that exposure mm. if lots of people are talking about it then mm. it's not a scary thing mm, to stand right. up and say actually I think that's wrong no matter what stage in your yep. career you are no matter what level of the company you're in yeah you might see some something that the CEO is doing that that you know is not right yep. you might not approach the CEO but you've got other avenues where you should feel safe to to bring it up yeah absolutely I oh, know that's really great um, I suppose just as a bit of a closing question obviously these podcast series are designed for a lot of our young up and up and coming people in the industry what sort of ethical challenges I guess do you think that we will face going forward and what sort of skill base do you think that we'll need to overcome those challenges? Yep. So so one of the things um, I think here in New Zealand anyway, small country, everyone knows everyone and I think uh, and more so now with the young people, their network is larger than say for example when I started. So you know friends, all sorts, everywhere, social media, um, their connectivity is far greater than say 20 years ago when I started. So I think the, con the um, uh, issue of conflicts of interest could be higher for those people. They could be dealing with a friend easily or someone that they are connected to and I think they really need to be aware of that and raising that and, and disclosing it. Um, I think uh, 
also maybe with the younger people, millennials, um, <laughs> there is a real, I want to have this now and I need to be as good as the older or more experienced people and there could be that, uh, I, you know, I need to be competitive here against my more senior peers. Mm. Wanting it now, would there, you know, is there that option for shortcuts? A lot of people know because that's the moral thing, but if your moral compass again isn't right, is that an avenue for shortcuts just to reach um, that level of your peers? Yeah. Um, also, in some areas, not Rabobank. Um, I, I know um, targets isn't a thing that we talk about now, but some banks, in terms of insurance, credit cards, etc., uh, I've got friends in other banks who have to sell those things, and they feel pressured mm-hmm. to sell. Um, a customer even comes, walks up to the teller, and they've got pressure on them to talk about the credit card. Um, or insurance or what have you and it could be seen as coercion um, on the, on behalf of the customer mm. to uptake that product. So I think those are all um, areas that the younger bankers coming through just need to be careful with how they conduct themselves. Um, skills I think that they're going to need going forward are really judgment, yeah. um, resilience because there could be pressure, again, from peers or more senior management. Even though we've talked about it's a better environment, there could still be that performance pressure. So that I think they need to be resilient enough to keep going with their job, but to keep judging what is right and what is wrong. Um, build a really strong internal network. Um, if you've got avenues to go and talk to somebody, someone might not agree, if it's still not sitting right with you, go and seek help or advice somewhere else. Um, don't be afraid to be the whistleblower, especially where your company does have the whistleblowing policy. Mm-hmm. It is a confidential um, source to of communication. I think listening skills are really important, especially when you're customer facing, um, and drilling deep, not just not just superficial listening, really drilling down into what those people are telling you, or even if you're in a leadership role, what your um, employees are telling you, just listening really well and valuing others' contributions um, and considering everybody's viewpoints. I think those are different skills than what we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. I think those will be what the younger bankers will really need going forward. Yeah, thanks for that. That's um, something to definitely aspire to, that's for sure. Um, so thanks thanks for meeting with me today, Nikki. I think you've given us a really good view of, you know, a, a true and honest opinion of what can happen on the coalface. And for our younger listeners, um, hopefully it doesn't scare them off too much, but actually shows them that these things can happen and there's ways of dealing with them and hopefully going forward, that will be a lot easier than what it perhaps was um, back when you had to deal with that situation. So thanks for meeting with me today. You're welcome. um, Thanks for inviting me. No worries. (laughs)